John chapter 5. So we're going to end it with this verse as well and talk about this verse more. For those of you who uh, come every week, you'll notice if you look at the uh, notes in the bulletin that I've only got two scriptures or two passages there. And that's kind of unusual for me, but we're going to really dissect and to use a preacher word, exegete, this verse in 1 John chapter 5, these two verses. We want to talk about them. Because to me, these are the most amazing verses on prayer in the entire Bible. There are no verses more amazing on prayer than these two verses right here. If we believed these two verses, it would change our life. The title of the message tonight is Know It, Prayer Works. And the reason I've got Know It in there is because that's the key to making prayer work. You have to know that it works. He that believes in God, he that comes to God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith pleases God. In order for prayer to work, we have to have faith. And faith is not just believing, faith is knowing. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Know it, prayer works. 1 John chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, that's important. Whatever we ask, we know or we also know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Now something I want you to notice, there are two ifs and two knows, K-N-O-W, in this verse. Notice the first if is Verse 14, this is a confidence we have. If we ask anything according to His will, that's important. And then the verse 15 says, and if we know. Anytime you see the word if in the Bible, it's a condition. There are promises in the Bible that are unconditional. Absolutely, totally unconditional. No matter what you do, God will never break those promises. For instance, here's a good one. 2 Timothy says, even if we deny Him, He will not deny us because He cannot deny Himself. That's an incredible promise. If you were, uh, if you were one of the men that went on the men's retreat, Clark Whitten gave the best, best example of this I've ever seen. He talked about covenant. God said to Israel, I want you to do all of my laws. I don't want you to ever mess up. I want you to do everything that's written in my word, and you can never, ever make a mistake. Will you agree to this? And Israel foolishly said, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll never make a mistake. We'll never mess up. We enter into the covenant with you. That, that's what they did. But God came in the new covenant and said, if you'll do everything, never mess up, ne never make a mistake, I'm going to enter into a covenant with you. But I already know you're going to mess up. I already know you're going to make a mistake. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fulfill your part of the covenant also. That's why 2 Timothy says, even if you deny him, he'll not deny you because he can't deny himself. He can't break covenant with himself. That's the new covenant. Is that good? That's real good. So there are some conditions, some promises in the Word that are, not, that are unconditional. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You leave God, He'll never leave you. It's unconditional. He doesn't say, I won't leave you if you do this, this, and this, and this. He says, I'll never leave you. Never forsake you. Never. It's unconditional. But 
there are some promises that are conditional. And anytime you see a word, if, it's conditional. And this, the first part, verse 14, this is what hangs everyone up. If we pray according to his will. That's what hangs us all up. That's what causes us not to have faith. That's what causes us to pray things like, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. Well, we're going to talk about know it, prayer works. Well, here's point one. Know it, his will. If you're going to pray according to his will, then what do you have to know? His will. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew his will? Well, I got, I got news for you. It's easy to know the will of God. It is not hard to know God's will. It is easy to know his will. Do you know why? He wrote it. This is his will. He wrote it. If you want to know what his will is concerning marriage, it's in this book. If you want to know what his will is concerning children, it's in this book. If you want to know what his will is concerning your health, it's in this book. If you want to know what his will is concerning your success, it's in this book. It's right here. He wrote it right here. See, now, we talk about, when we talk about a will, we normally refer to something written, but we don't refer to it actually correctly. What we refer to on this earth as our will would actually be our last will and testament. Is that right? Because after you die, you can't change it. But before you die, you can change it, right? But once you, what you're doing when you write it is you're writing your will. See, let me tell you what your will is. Your will is what you write. That's your will. As a matter of fact, that's the way the system works today. I used to um, have my mortgage for my home on a draft. And they would just draft so much every two weeks, you know. And then I would, as I could, I would have them draft more. But I couldn't just call them on the phone and say, hey, I want you to draft $50 more. What did I have to do? I had to notify them in writing. And what was I doing when I was writing it down? I was writing my will, not my last will and testament, but my will right now on this earth. When Debbie and I went to Africa uh, a month or so ago, what did we do? We wrote medical releases for our children, gave them to Debbie's parents who took care of our children while we were gone. And basically what we, said, we were saying in those written notices were, it's our will that if our children need medical attention when we're out of the country, that you give it to them. You understand what I'm saying? We're just writing our will. Um, when my wife goes on a, a retreat, uh, a ladies' retreat, or to home to visit her parents or something, do you know what she does? She leaves little notes around the house. Do you know what those notes are? Her will. And you better do those notes before she gets back. Because that's her will, see? She's writing, she's letting us know, me and the children, what her will is. Well, I have a question for you. How many of you have a copy of his will? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand, but this is it. So Scripture says, if we pray according to his... Let me change the word for a minute. According to his word. If we ask anything, According in, in accordance with this book, he hears us. Is that what the Bible says? Are, are y'all following me? It's not that hard. To, don't let the first part of this hang you up. Don't let it bother you. Now, we could apply this in many ways. I want to apply it tonight in one way. I want, I want to make one application. But I know the Holy Spirit's going to make many applications. So God may say to you, listen, you need to be praying for your marriage in this way because that's according to my will. You need to be praying for your children in this way. 
But I want to just make one application. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing. you have any idea what the root word of willing is? Will. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. You want to know what God's will is? He wants everybody saved. Let me give you another word for will, though, because this might hang you up. You say, well, if that's God's will, it'll happen. It's not true. Not true. Let me tell you another word for will. Desire. In other words, when Debbie leaves those notes, that's her desire. When we leave a note for her parents, for our children, that's our desire. When I write my mortgage company, that's my desire. But what if they don't do it? What if we don't do the notes? See, that's God. God says, this is my will for you. This is my will for your life. This is my desire for you to have a good marriage, good home, good job, for you to have good children. This is my desire. Now it's up to you as to whether His will comes about on earth. Are you all following me? As it is in heaven. And how do we get His will to come about on earth as it is in heaven? The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. All right, you want to you pray? This is how you pray. Lord, let your desires come to pass on earth. So even though it's His desire that none should perish and that all should come to repentance, it's up to us as to whether that happens or not. See, we need to pray. Now, I'm going to share with you tonight, I have three points, and I have three of the most powerful testimonies you'll ever hear in your life. And I, I just, I, I, this, and the reason I'm doing it is because it's going to build your faith. I had a friend of mine that used to pastor a church in Denver, and then about 10 years ago, probably when the uh, Promise Keepers movement started, he was asked by Coach McCartney, he was at the first meeting ever, and he was asked to come on staff, and eventually he became the executive vice president of Promise Keepers. And he shared with me a testimony of something that happened when the Promise Keepers had their meeting in Washington. There were 1.3 million men there. No matter what you heard, uh, the reason that they wouldn't tell how many were actually at the Park Service is because they were in a lawsuit at that time with another group because they said they only had 400,000 and they said they had a million and a half, so the other group suing them, so they didn't want to put out numbers. But the best estimates from those who do those estimates were 1.3 million men. I was there. Uh, George, didn't you go up there? Yeah, George was there. We went up, we had 10, 15 men, I forgot, that went up. Man, it was awesome, absolute awesome. Now, let me tell you something that happened. There was a group of men there from Alabama, and they were praying, no, 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 wait a minute. There was a group from Chicago. Alabama comes in the story in a minute. That's just what happens when you get older. You, you, you mess up details. There was a group there from Chicago, Illinois. Three or four months before the meeting, they begin to pray, and as they prayed, God began to reveal to them something specifically to pray for. And this is what they began to pray for. Washington, D.C. is number one in homeless people. So they prayed that God would lead them to a homeless man and he would get saved and go back to his family, be re restored, reunited to his family. That was their prayer. So they're from Chicago. They go up on Friday. And they're walking around saying, God, who's the man? Who's the man? Who's the man? 
And after a while, the Lord spoke to them, they felt, and impressed them and said, that's the man right there. So they went to this man and they said, we're having a meeting tomorrow. We'd like to put you in a hotel tonight, buy your meals, and buy you some new clothes if you'll attend this meeting with us tomorrow. He said, I'll do it. So they took him out to eat, bought him some new clothes, put him in a hotel room that night, took him. The first thing they did at the Promise Keepers meeting, if any of you were there, was they preached the gospel. And they gave them an invitation. This man got saved. That was their prayer. They said to him, after he got saved, how do you feel? First words were, I want to go home to my family. That's what they'd been praying for. So they said to him, where are you from? Anyone want to guess since I messed the story up a while ago? Alabama. Hey, they said, he said, I'm from Alabama. So they said, now remember this, there's 1.3 million men there. They said, let's see if we can find some guys from Alabama. So they go walking around, and two guys are walking by them, going back to their group. They'd gone to the restroom, and they're walking by, and they've got shirts on that say Alabama. So they grab them and say, hey, you know, you from Alabama? They said, yes. They said, this is so-and-so, and he just got saved. And he wants to be reunited with his family, and he's from Alabama. So one of the men said, that's great. What city in Alabama are you from? And the man said it, and this man from Alabama said, that's where we're from. Now let me remind you, there's 1.3 million men there. They said, that's the city we're from. And then the other man started crying. And he said to this man, what did you say your name was? And he told him his name, and the man said, your son is with us today. And we've been praying that we could find you, and you would get saved and be re reunited to your family. And he went home on the bus with his son. And when I heard the story, my friend told me it was a year later, he was in the church and was just about to be set in as a deacon in the church and have been faithful ever since. Let me just tell you, prayer works. Prayer works. So, first of all, know it, His will. You need to pray His will. These men were praying God's will. And so it worked. Here's the second thing according to this that you need to know. He hears. Verse 15. Look back at verse 15. It says, And if we know that He hears then whatever we ask, we also know we have the petitions that we have asked for. But notice the if again. If we know. In other words, if you believe, if you have faith, if you know that when you pray, God hears you. This is a formula. God is giving us a formula in the Bible. If we pray according to His will, He hears us. And if we know. See, it is so important. This is why every point and the title has the words, know it. Because listen to me. Prayer works only if you know it. If you know it works, it works. And God wants to build our faith. We must come to a place that we know God hears our prayers. We're not just praying into the air. God is listening when we pray. If you remember the little uh, thing that the eight-year-old boy knew, you know what he said? He said, God listens because they worked it out so that someone's always on duty. He's eight years old. He knows God's here. God hears prayers. This is a logical conclusion. If we pray according to His will, 
He hears us. He's never watching the ball game. Ladies, you can say amen. <laughs> He's never busy. He's not talking to the people in China at some times, and so therefore he can't talk to us at the same time. He is able to hear every prayer at the same time and answer and respond to everyone. He's God. He's never sleeping. He's always listening. Every time. Here's the second testimony. I was in uh, Clark Witten's church when he was in Oklahoma. He's in Orlando now. And I was in his church during a presbytery about seven or eight years ago. And we prophesied over this lady. And after we prophesied over, after the service, Clark came to me and said, I want you to hear a testimony from this lady about prayer. And so she shared with me this testimony personally. She'd been married for, I think, I do not remember the years, I think it was 30 or 40 years to an unbeliever. And all that time she prayed for his salvation. He was killed in Florida in a car accident on a business trip. At the funeral, someone said to her, I'm so sorry that your husband never got saved. And she said, oh, he got saved. And she said, oh, I didn't know. When did he get saved? This is what her reply was. I don't know when, but I know God hears prayer. And I know that I prayed for my husband to get saved. I know I did. And I know God heard my prayers. One month after the funeral, the telephone rang at her home, and a voice on the other end said, Is so-and-so there? And asked for her husband. She said, Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but he passed away. And the man said, Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Um, when? Do you mind telling me? When did he pass away? And she said, well, he died about a month ago in a car accident in Florida. And the man said, did he die on this date? And gave her the date. And she said, yes, he did. How did you know that? She said, then the man said, did you talk to him on that day? And she said, no, I didn't. And he said, then, ma'am, I've got good news for you. He said, you see, I'm a businessman. I mean a businessman. I wear a coat and tie to work. And around lunchtime, God spoke to me so strongly that I was to go out on the freeway and hitchhike. And I went out on the freeway, parked my car on the freeway, and put my thumb out, and your husband picked me up. The reason I'm calling you today is because he gave me my, his name and number, and I was calling to follow up on him. But he said, I shared the gospel with your husband, and he accepted Christ in the car. And he told me that you'd been praying for him all those years, and he was going to call you that night when he got to the hotel and tell you that he'd been saved. And I just want you to know, ma'am, your husband got saved on the day he died. I got another point for you. Prayer works. Prayer works. Is that amazing? Here this woman praying for her husband all those years. And God knows he's going to die and gives him one more chance. Sends a businessman out there to hitchhike. We must know God hears our prayers. And here's the third thing. Know it, he answers. See, not only does he hear, but he answers. Look back at verse 15 again. 
And if we know that He hears, whatever we ask, we know, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. This is something we've got to come to again. If we know He hears us, then we also know we have the petitions that we have. Do you realize, can you imagine how incredible it would be if you just believed that right there? If the church just believed those two verses in the Bible, just those two verses, what would happen? That we know, we know if we pray according to His will, He hears us. And we know if He hears us, we also know, there's the word know again, we know we have the petitions. See, God hears prayers, and He answers prayers. There was um, the um, Lighthouse of Prayer movement that's going on in, all over the world right now. They decided to do a, a, a test, kind of a, a study in this. And so what they did was they picked 80 names out of the phone book and put them on one page, and they picked another 80 names out of the phone book. Now get this. And for 180, one group of 80, they prayed for them every day. And for the other group, it was probably difficult for them as Christians, but they didn't pray for them. And they prayed for this group for six weeks, every day. Then they called all 160 people and invited them to church. Of the 80 names that they did not pray for, not one person accepted the invitation to come to church. Not one. Of the 80 names that they prayed for, 62 said they would come to church and did come. That's, that's pretty simple, isn't it, to figure that one out? Prayer works. It works. God hears, He knows, and He answers. This is just like a formula. If we pray according to His will, and let me ask you again, what's His will? His Word then we know that He hears us. And if we know, if we come to the conclusion in our hearts, in our minds, if we know by faith God's hearing our prayers, then we also know that He answers our prayers. Now here's the third testimony. My grandfather was not a Christian. My grandfather never went to church. Did not know the Lord. He had three boys. My father was the oldest. Of those three sons, one of them committed suicide, and the other is an alcoholic, and the other is my father. When my grandfather, when my father, when my father was 16 years old, my grandfather's job was to put asphalt in potholes for the Texas Highway Department. That was his job. And when my father was 16 years old, my grandfather got teamed up with a man for about a year who was a Christian named Ray Alexander. Every day, Ray Alexander witnessed to my grandfather. Finally, one day at lunch, the, my grandfather said, you know, I'd like to hear more about this. So Ray said, why don't you come over to my house tonight after dinner and I'll share with you some things and show you some verses in the Bible. So he said, okay. So after dinner, my grandfather got up and started to leave, and my father, who was, remember how old he was? Sixteen. So he'd just gotten his driver's license, so he said to my grandfather, his father, where are you going? My grandfather said, I'm going over to talk with the man that I work with. So my father, who was 16, said, can I drive? So my grandfather said, okay. That was my father's only motive. Listen to this. He'd never been to church. Never heard the gospel. So he said, can I drive you? My grandfather said, yes, but you have to stay outside while we talk. 
So my father drove him over. My grandfather went in. My father sat in the car and drove the Indy 500 in his mind and, you know, and listened to the radio and did all those things. Finally, he got bored. So he got out of the car, went up, and he sat on the steps of the house. And back then, no air conditioning. Most people didn't have air conditioning. So the screen door was closed, but the door was open. And my father, sitting on the steps, through the screen door, for the first time in his life, heard the gospel. And Ray Alexander said to my grandfather, would you like to accept Christ? And my grandfather said, no, I want to think about it a while. And in his wisdom, this man said, well, if you decide to accept Christ, all you have to do is pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And as he told my grandfather the prayer, my father, sitting on the steps through the screen door, prayed the prayer and got saved. Our whole family was changed from that point on. He raised me in church. Even though I rebelled at 19 years old, I got saved, became an evangelist first, and now a pastor. Then a few years ago, when my grandfather was 77 years old, I began to get burdened for him. And so at a family reunion, I prayed, God, give me a chance to share with my grandfather. And all of a sudden, we're in a room all by ourselves at a family reunion. Everybody else is running around talking. And I took about 15 minutes and shared the gospel with him. Do you know what he said? He said for over 45 years, it had been 45 years, he said there used to be a man named Ray Alexander that shared the gospel with me. And I've been thinking about it all this time. <laughs> And he said, I do want to give my life to Christ. And I then led my grandfather to Christ at 77. A couple of years after that, my grandfather passed away and went to be with the Lord. And I started thinking about it, and so I called my dad one day. I didn't know the guy's name was Ray Alexander at that time. I called him and said, do you remember his name? He said, his name's Ray Alexander. He lives in El Dorado, Arkansas. So I called director assistance for El Dorado, Arkansas and asked for Ray Alexander, and they gave me the number. I called him. He answered the phone. I said, is this Ray Alexander? He said, yes, it is. I said, my name is Robert Morris. My grandfather is Joe Morris. Do you remember Joe Morris? This is what he said. Oh, yes, I remember him. I still pray for him. I said, well, I have good news for you. You shared the gospel with him 45 years ago. I said, do you know that my father heard through the screen door of the gospel for the first time, and did you know that my father got saved on the steps that day? And he started crying and said, I never knew that. I said, well, I became an evangelist, and now I'm a pastor. And I wanted to tell you that all of the people who've come into the kingdom because of me actually came into the kingdom because of you. And I wanted to tell you thank you. And I also wanted to tell you that I led my grandfather to Christ before he, went, before he died. And my grandfather got saved. And I wanted you to know that. The seed that you planted 45 years ago came up. And he said to me, this makes my life. This doesn't make my day, it makes my life. 
I thought, wow, what, a, what an incredible thing to say. And then I said to him, now you said when I first called that you still pray for him. Why do you still pray for him? And he said, I pray for all of the men that I share Christ with. And he said, in the back of my Bible, I have all of the names of every man that I've ever shared Christ with. I said, how many names do you have in the back of your Bible? Now remember, this is a guy who puts asphalt in potholes. He said, I'm not sure, but I know there's over a hundred. You've shared the gospel with over a hundred men, and you pray for every one of them. He said, that's right. And then he said this to me. And when they get saved, I put a check beside their name. And I pray for them until they get saved. And your grandfather was the only name that didn't have a check beside it. And when I get off the phone, I'm going to go put a check beside his name. One guy who put asphalt in potholes led over 100 men to Christ in his life. You know why? Because prayer works. That's why. Now my question for you tonight is, who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Because prayer works. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We've had four messages on prayer. And what I'm wondering is, is it doing any good? Are you becoming a man of prayer? A woman of prayer? Are you praying for your children? Are you praying for your spouse? Are you praying for your health? Are you praying for your friends? Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you praying for your family? Because prayer works. I'd like for you just to make a commitment in your heart. However you want to word it, but just make a commitment. Lord, I want to become a person of prayer. I want you to lay people in my heart to pray for. And I want to be someone that you can count on on this earth who will pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Father I thank you that even right now you're hearing my prayer and I pray for Gateway Church Lord cause us and help us to be a mighty river of prayer in this, in this earth Lord to be people of prayer to be men of prayer to be women of prayer to be young people of prayer 
to be children of prayer. God, that we will be those in this area, in Southlake, in Grapevine, in Keller, in Colleyville, and Lord, in, in uh, Capel, and Dallas, and Fort Worth, and everywhere in between. God, that we will be one of many that pray heaven down in this area. Lord, I pray that every family member that's represented here tonight, every one of our family members that don't know Christ will be saved. Lord, our friends, our neighbors, those we work with, Lord, if just the people here tonight were responsible each for seeing a hundred saved, it'd be phenomenal. Lord, we ask you, help us to be people of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.